This week on Ultra 64, we're playing Revolt and Our Marines Project Swarm, and I will give a shiny buffalo nickel to the person who tells me what Swarm stands for. Welcome everyone to Ultra 64. We are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And we are making up for past errors and charging forward into the future in a, a, a bug-filled world that you can barely see. And my sure. name is Steve Gutley. <laughs> Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski. Still uh, wondering about the Buffalo Nickel. Sometimes you say things, Steve, during the intro and my mind is just immediately like goes other places like i'm like okay what am i gonna say about armories what did i think about revolt and then you bring up old coinage and i think huh what was the buffalo nickel uh, i don't know if i have a buffalo nickel i now, now i'm saying that i'm making like uh some some claims i can't really back up with five cents but uh i might also, have some old coins somewhere it kind of sounds like an old-timey uh terminology for bullshit like i couldn't give two buffalo nickels what you think yeah but... <laughs> I'll take a buffalo nickel for that opinion, you son yeah. of a gullywhacker. I don't know. I don't know what old-timey <laughs> slang is. Sure. sure. Uh, this week, we are looking back on a game that we should have played last week, but we had technical difficulties, and then we're looking ahead to another game that has nothing to do with it, and we're going to find a way to make these two work. Also, a little note about programming. We are recording uh, remotely right now. I had some like minor kind of symptoms. I just wasn't sure what they were. So, you know, until I can get tested, we're going to be safe and be separate here. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's that's sure. why the things sound differently. Um, I think we, it, we should so, we do it's some so weird. Like our, our, our layout is just so weird because now I'm just like staring off into space and I just I don't know where to focus my eyes. Like usually you look in the like setup, the cover looking... of a Christian rock album. Okay, sure. I I'm not looking at the camera, so uh, I'll just take your word on that. Um, so, well, before we get started, Steve, um, we are recording on Thanksgiving, so I feel like it's only fair since you're probably not gonna have to do it um, around the table, since hopefully you're not hanging out with your family. Let's go I'm around not. the podcast and say one thing that we're thankful for on the Nintendo 64. Oh man, uh, uh, I I am grateful for games that are not these two. Um, I'm grateful oh, really? for better games than the two we've played today. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, okay, uh, I was not a fan of either of these today, but oh, spoiler um, alert. Yeah, yeah, we'll get ahead. Let me see if I can think of something nicer. Uh, I I am grateful that we got that weird train controller I've had uh, to work, and that it was kind of a fun weird game uh, yeah, of Dago, the train conductor simulator. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I am thankful that I got to play both of these games without leaving my bed today. That's, that is nice. That is I've, nice, yeah. I've gradually become more and more... Th this is my new life goal, is to just have more and more things I can do from my bed. And it gets it gets easier every day. It's, yeah, yeah. I think I think the world is rising to meet that goal for you. I think... Uh, yep. There are, there are some days I straight up just, I work from home, so I just straight up work from bed the entire day. It's great. It's <laughs> well, awesome. you do have me beat on, beat on that respect then. Um, so yeah, we played, uh, what, what, which of these games came out first? 
Well, uh, Revolt came out first, so I think we should talk about that one since that's also kind of a part two from last week. Do you think we should do a recap? I think we need to do, uh, since this is a continuing, you know, I think we need a previously on. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You, we won't know where we left out and everyone will be confused by all the plot points. All right, here we go. Here we go. Previously on Ultra 64. <laughs> oh, my God. My card is rattling. I can't get it to work. What will we do? Well, let's just play this Beetle game. Okay. Jokes about different bugs. Jokes of questions about whether or not ladybugs are a type of beetle or not. And then we played some other game I already forgot. Was I'm it? pregnant. There we go. I think we, I think we summed it up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I forgot that last part. That's clearly yeah, I was you not paying enough attention. Oh, yeah, see, this is why you can't be looking at your phone during the podcast. I mean, you, yeah, you have tune to pay in, attention. Uh, Tune in next week when we find out who the father is. Yeah, sometimes we just drop these plot twists, and if you're not paying attention, I mean, come on, come on, you got to yeah. keep up. <laughs> yes, we had a we had a busted cart. This game, Revolt, uh, would have been a much better fit for the wacky adventure racers that we played last week. Uh, but no, didn't happen. But you know what? I did find some connective tissue between the two. So let's They're start with some the facts Nintendo and figures. 64. They are both, both made of them out of plat. Both made out of plastic. And, both of them uh, heavily feature RC cars. Oh, wow. They do not. Wow. But no. I, okay, phew. I was. I thought I had played the wrong game. <laughs> you might have. I think you played uh, our, our Marines Pro-Am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, that sounds cool. That sounds better That's, than whatever we that, played. That sounds way better. Uh, so Revolt was released August 18th, 1999, developed by Acclaim Studios London and published by Acclaim, and this was also released on PlayStation, Dreamcast, and Windows. And the connective tissue that we accidentally stumbled upon here is that both of the games today were made by the exact same creative team. Acclaim Studios London, published by Acclaim. So thank you, Acclaim, for this double dose. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Acclaim Studios London was better known in its early days as Probe Entertainment. We've talked about them a few times. They did Extreme G, they did Forsaken 64, and they're doing the game that we're talking about later this episode. Uh, the company mostly worked on ports of movies during the NES, uh, Super NES era, so they produced a couple of really good ones. They did Alien 3, uh, they did Die Hard Trilogy, which I know you really yeah, like, that game's and great. then they did, a whole, they did a whole lot of crap also, like Home Alone and Batman Forever. Ooh, uh, and they, those are, those also are the, some real crappy crap right there. Oh my god, those Home Alone games are like impenetrable. <laughs> These, this is also the studio behind Primal Rage, everyone's favorite Mortal Kombat clone. Sure. And a pretty decent Super NES port of Smash TV, so, you know, I'll give them yeah. credit for that. I, oh, man, I played the hell out of that Smash TV port. It's that a pretty game. good one, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the studio was closed down in 2000, so it, it was gone before Acclaim even was, but Acclaim would follow shortly thereafter. So a little bit about the development of this game. Revolt actually has kind of a cult following amongst racing fans to this day. Like, mm -hmm. uh, they, they responded well to it, 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 this kind of interesting take on the genre, the PC version in particular has had a long second life thanks to its robust car customization options. Uh, and though most reviews at the time said the N64 port is probably the worst way to play the game, sure. um, which I, I think I have to agree with. Um, <laughs> but the, this game is noteworthy because it's actually the first video game ever played over Xbox Live uh, when they wow. were first doing it. Yeah, the, the devs of Microsoft were big fans of the PC version of this game. And so they developed kind of a stripped-down beta version to kind of test out the service for fir the first users. Uh, so there was going to be a full updated version of Revolt Live that was in development, but it was ultimately canceled. That beta is still floating around out there, though. You can find it if you wanted to play it. Um, kind of cool, kind of noteworthy thing. 
Yeah, so um, being as... I always think it's interesting when games uh, sort of maintain a legacy and sort of the user fan base keeps things updated. So I actually went and um, downloaded the... Uh, went to It's Revolt Race, I believe, is the uh, mm-hmm. sort of fan group. And so basically you can just download an original version of the game um, and then they have a patch that sort of cleans up a bunch of textures and allows for online play. Um, one thing that is missing from there, I think that there was licensing issues with the music, as is often the case. Um, sure. So the, the version that you download has no music, which is kind of a shame because the music in the N64 version, I thought, kind of slapped. I um, liked it. The ta 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 Yeah. It, yeah. Had, it had a lot it. of energy. What, just a random, uh, random little rant slash aside here. Um, I, I am always very excited about sort of fan communities that keep things going. I just wish that there was some way to have them be more user friendly slash open to new people because so much of trying to get this thing set up always comes down to fiddling around with things on your PC and trying to figure out a way to work because it's always kind of hobbled together. And yeah. I feel like, I mean, I get the reason for that. Like they can't have a big sort of centralized area to do all this stuff because they don't own the rights to it. I just wish that... Um, this sort of companies themselves put more effort into uh, following up on these things and really actually taking advantage of the fans enthusiasm who create this content and be like, Hey, we're going to, we want to bring on your content and we want to sponsor a way to make it more user friendly to people. Yeah. I mean, and who really would have thought that revolt of all games would still be like relevant and played today. Like this is a one-off game. There was no sequel. There was no port or anything. This is just the only time this game existed, but it still has a fan base like and people yeah. are still making tracks and cars for it i think that's kind of rad i mean this this game um i my guess is that i actually enjoyed this game more than you did um i think it does a lot of really neat things and it's weird one thing i did think of it's weird how many toy toy themed games there are on the nintendo 64 right There's all of the army men games there's like a micro machines game there's penny racers where you play, you know, tiny Hot Wheels. Cars. Hot, yeah, Hot Wheels game. There's the, like, there's the Toy Story game. There's just so many things where, like, the gimmick is that you're playing this sort of shrunk down area or, like, you're seeing things from a tiny perspective. Mm. Um, and I feel like this game did a better job than any of those in terms of capturing that feel. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree yeah, with that. Okay. Like, I think the biggest strength of this game, I think, is that, well, it, it's both its biggest strength and its biggest weakness. It's that the cars really, really feel like RC cars. Like, yes. they feel they feel lightweight. They operate the way an RC car does. And there's nice little touches, like you'll get extra momentum when you're going down a hill and you can hear the wheels. Like, those that little uh, signature kind of servo turning sound of an mm-hmm. RC car's wheels, you know? That accelerates as you're going down hills and stuff. Like, there's very nice attention to detail, but it also right. means these things are going to be uh, a little all over the place. They're going to be hard to kind of rein in. Like, it's hard to be very precise with them. You're going to flip over a lot, and power yep. ups, like like little little traps that you leave for people, really fuck you up like bad. Like, if you hit an oil sure. slick, you might as well just give up because well, there is you're a just going to keep just kind of reset your car back on the track. Even though you lose yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. seconds doing it, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, again, but like, it's still like that's something that I really appreciate because so many of my I feel like 
generally a common complaint we've had with a lot of either racing games um, or just, you know, Sarge's Heroes. I remember we talk about this in general is it's like if you're going to have your thing be toy themed, you need to really lean into what it is like you make a choice of your game design and then you say, okay, this is about racing, you know, RC cars. You want them to feel like RC cars and you want the environment environments to look like to scale and you want to feel like you're driving around seeing everything larger yeah yeah and this game really gets that right like i i think the appeal here is if you're really into rc cars there's like an ability to drive your cars in places you wouldn't want to drive them but wouldn't Mm -hmm. be allowed you know like who wouldn't want to take your rc cars into into like a museum or a supermarket and charge it around like these aren't crazy exotic locales but they are places that you wouldn't be like allowed to race your cars in a conventional society. So like that's, well, that's, uh, that's a nice when, touch. Well, they become exciting when you see them from this sort of small perspective, because you're literally driving through the shelves of a supermarket. So it gives it a yeah. really unique feel. And I mean, there's an art, there's an art to driving an RC car. Did you ever get like RC cars for uh Christmas? Did you ever go through a phase of that? I never really did. My brother had a few, and I would play with them once in a while, but they were never, mm-hmm. like, really my thing because I would just inevitably get them stuck on a weed or something, and, like, yeah, right. I was bad well, at driving. Right, well, and that's, that's sort of the thing is there's much more of a art to driving an RC car than you would think because, like, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, whatever. I can drive it through things, but as soon as you start picking up very much speed or momentum, it's so easy to spin out. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it it really is. And like, I don't know, I found the oil slick just really tripped me up because it stays on your wheels for a while, you know, and when you're already when you're already having trouble kind of banking the corners and everything like that, uh, that's frustrating. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the plot of this game, because apparently there's a plot. This game has a plot? Okay, I totally missed this. (laughs) I, I read this in the manual and you will. I mean, we don't get any kind of indication of this in the gameplay at all. But this is the plot as it was written in the manual. For years, Toyvolt has been producing toys and games for children all over the world. Within months of introducing their first products, Toyvolt shot to the top. No one could put their finger on exactly what it was that made the toys so popular. Sure, they employed the best designers and marketers in the world, but there was something else about Toyvolt cars, something almost magic. With their latest product, <laughs> it appears that they've used a little too much of that special something because the RC, radio-controlled, cars just off the production line have gained minds of their own. Escaping from the shelves that held them prisoner, the RC cars have escaped into the real world and they're heading your way. Brand new models, old favorites, and even some experimental prototypes. The entire product line <laughs> of RC cars from the folks at Toy Volt have come out to play. They're causing plenty of chaos as they test their newfound freedom. These RC cars are fast and spunky, each with different qualities and looks. <laughs> as you progress, you'll unlock more and more cars to race and more and more courses to race on. Of course, sometimes the Toy, toy Volt cars don't play nice making for lots of lightning-fast laps where you've got to fight oil with oil and rockets with rockets. You'll be <laughs> racing around the neighborhood, around the supermarket, to places you've only dreamed of racing in RC. Like on the track you mm. dream up using the track editor, or maybe the pitching decks of a huge ship, or maybe you'll be good enough to unlock a reverse-mirrored track. But why waste time talking about all the fun you when you can start having it? And then it ends with an interrobang, of course, because why not? <laughs> so, like, yeah. did you get any of this, like, small soldiers, like, vibe off of it, like, from playing the game? I got none of that. No. I just kind of assumed no, you were a not, kid not controlling a car. Like, yes, I, I don't I'm know. Totally, I, I'm totally on the same page as you. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, it doesn't really come across. I mean, I like that they're thinking about it, but even even the, whoever wrote this seems to have kind of given up on the idea halfway through writing this, and then it just becomes a product description. Like, so, <laughs> well, the cars, I mean, the cars... I mean, the cars... Sorry, the cars look oh, no, go good. Ahead. Like, they're, they're varied and they look good, so, like, each one does have a pretty distinct look, um, and they do look like real RC cars, but they yeah. don't... I wouldn't go so far as to say that they really have any personality. Oh, no, not really. I mean, I, the one I liked the most was like a, a car called the Fat Slug. Like, Sure. I knew, even I, that, I, I knew you'd be all about that Fat Slug. <laughs> you know, something about it. I just relate to it, you know? Like, it just speaks sure. to me, the Fat Slug. I, too, leave a trail <laughs> of slime as wherever I walk. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, yeah, as we talked about, this is a racing game that kind of uses this toyetic kind of approach to the world. There are 14 total tracks, most of which, most of which pl- take place on real locations like a backyard, a cul-de-sac, or anywhere you'd want to race an RC car. <laughs> uh, and there are 24 different cars to pick from here, so which is a pretty healthy selection. And yeah. this is very much a uh, kart racer in the vein of Mario Kart. Uh, you get pickups and power-ups. You shoot missiles at each other. It's fast. It's fun. It's loose. It's goofy. I mm-hmm. okay. So here's here's where I'm running into some issues. Uh, okay. I feel this is where like you, where you hit the wall, as it were. This is where I hit the wall. I feel like this is a very bad port of a good game. I feel like this is okay. a. I've, I can see this is not a tossed off lazy game. This is a game that people no. cared cared about and put effort into and creativity. And there's there's a lot to like here. But I was really struggling with the mechanics on the N sixty four. The fog is horrible. The, the controls are kind of unresponsive. There's really bad slowdown when you get more than two people firing weapons on screen at a time. And hmm. I, I was just really struggling with uh, kind of keeping things in line and like keeping things on target. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's just, maybe I'm being too harsh on it. Like, I don't want to rip on Revolt too much because it's had some of the worst <laughs> luck of any game that we've had on the show so far. But uh <laughs> I don't know. It, well, what, it just, are you afraid it's going to go and break your other cartridges now if you if you're mean to it? It's n- it's not a far stretch for it to get revenge, you know? Like it's it's yeah, right there. Sure. It's halfway there. Fair. Well that boy, I mean, it's amazing that they didn't do a uh, revolt like revolt revenged, revolt revamped. That's the name of the uh, remake. Remastered, revamped. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like this yeah. this game is begging for it. Like the work is done for you people. Come on, let's do it. Um, I I agree. I mean, I agree to some extent. I didn't quite encounter the technical problems that you did. I do agree that it the the bones here are very very strong. Um, I mm-hmm. found that it ran pretty smooth, and um, I actually found the game more pleasurable to play on sort of the junior difficulty where they deliberately Same. slow it down. Um, yeah, that helped a lot. Is just. Yeah, there's more of a feel of knowing what's coming. And the track layouts are a little weird. Like the first level you play at, uh, Toys in the Hood, which I bet there's at least five N64 games that have a Boys in the Hood parody somewhere in them. Um, Who would have thought, right? Why is, yeah, I think, <laughs> why is that such a parody thing? Like, I don't know, this very serious movie about inner city gang life. Like, why is this a, why is this such a go-to joke for people in the nineties? Yeah. Um, but like in that particular level, there's a segment where you can basically get off the whole track, like it forks and it does not make that very clear. And so you can just yes. end up going the wrong way for a pretty long amount of time and not 
not sure where to get back on track. I had the same problem. Like, you need to really pay attention to the guide arrows because the tracks are kind of open-ended. There aren't any guardrails to keep you from going off, like, in some weird direction. And the tracks also double back on themselves. So sometimes you see if if someone's... confusing. Yeah, if someone's way ahead of you, they'll be charging past you in a different direction. And I was getting confused. I'm like, wait, did I miss a turnaround? What? What? Am I going the wrong Mm -hmm. way? It's not telling me? Like, that was a problem. I also found, like... The tracks have a lot of jumps and like ramps and stuff like that, which is a, a good thing. But I found they slowed me down considerably. Like anytime I hit a ramp, it was just like, it was cool for a second. I got some air. You got to go mm. up on the sidewalk and everything. But like, I it slowed me down a lot. Like so, I think the there's way to like an i an item up the ramp though, or like you can be on the sidewalk and there's multiple items there. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the weapons ever so so briefly. It's kind of it's not super. It's not a huge part of this game. Um, Like, just occasionally they'll have sort of lightning bolts strewn about the level, which are pretty small and surprisingly hard to hit, like compared to the Mario Kart item boxes, which take I had that issue too, yeah. Um, You'll sort of drive right by these things and not pick them up. But uh, I don't know. None of the weapons... Well, I guess what I did like... I like what the weapons are. Like, I like the way that your boost is essentially a battery... Um, like yeah. I felt like it was smart that they were on theme and like you have a water balloons, um, which also yeah, felt yeah. Like it fit and like your homing missile is a firework, which also again, you could sort of see these being set up on actual RC cars. Um, yeah, again, they're they're very like, they they put a lot of thought into the theme and they really stick with it. Like, yeah, this isn't like, you know, Sarge's heroes where it's like real war, but like just different colored soldiers, you know, they, they, they really lean into it and have fun with it. Yeah. And like, but again, it's sort of the game runs pretty quick and like the cars feel very small relative to the track that it can be pretty challenging to actually hit someone with these weapons. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was a problem I had too. like the homing missiles are pretty generous, but like I was never able to hit anyone with the, uh, with the water balloons or with the bowling Mm -hmm. ball or anything like that. Uh, I did like, I liked the stages, but again, like sometimes the track design is just odd. Like in the museum level, for example, like there's a sharp turnoff that like, if you are not, again, if you're not paying attention to that arrow, you're going to miss it and you're going to hit a wall. Like, it's supposed to be taking you through, like, this narrow thing. And sometimes it's supposed to look like there are glass floors, but it's so dark in the museum, it just kind of looks like you're floating on nothing, you know? Or you sure. think you might be about to go into a pit. Like, mm-hmm. but but then there's some cool stuff, like, you're going through the planetarium, and then there's, like, a rotating, like, space capsule that you're driving through. And, like, so it keeps kind of going back and forth. And then, like, the supermarket level, it's... I mean, it's accurate that it would be littered with shelves. There would be lots of different shelves blocking you. But I found there was maybe one too many obstructions. I kept bumping into shit, especially when you can't really turn your RC car on a dime. Like, you you have a drift mechanic by holding R, which is nice. But but because it's so accurate to how an RC car feels, it's a little floaty, and you're just kind of, like, going all over the place, so... Well, definitely the mechanic here is this is not a game where the goal is to maintain top speed and do a bunch of drifts. I feel like what you want to do here is actually lay off the gas for a little bit to take some of the trickier turns, which is just not what we're used to in a lot of racing games. No, Um, I did. So your modes here, you got pretty standard racing games modes. You have your single race, um, a championship mode where I think there's three or four cups and you have to play get uh, play through each race to unlock the next cup. Um, 
There is a multiplayer mode here. Did you have a chance? I, I did play some of the multiplayer with my roommate. Um, I didn't really get a chance, no, but mm-hmm. how, how did it so hold up? It, um, it runs very, the racing runs very smooth, um, which is nice, but you just, you just are reminded how difficult it is to lose half of your screen space because um, it does feel, you do feel very small, um, even more so, um, but it, it, it did play well. Um, but I, I guess what I enjoyed so much about this game was sort of all of the side details on the track and sort of seeing what was out there in each environment. And when you play the multiplayer, you just lose a lot of that detail. Um, yeah. So I felt like a lot of that was lost. There is also a battle tag mode, uh-huh. which um, we initially assumed was just, you know, get items and destroy your opponent with them. But it's actually more of a... Uh, king of the hill type or oddball from halo type of mode where you uh drive okay. around this uh sort of rounded area multi-level grab a uh an orb that kind of changes your view to this sort of green haze and then uh you just hold on to that as long as you can but if your opponent sort of drives near you they will absorb it and they'll start counting down um and then whoever sort of holds that for two minutes over the course of the game wins um, okay. I think that this was a smarter game mode than just like destroy the other person with weapons because as we discussed, it can be hard to hit them with weapons. But yeah. it also can be fairly hard to get near them because there's no radar. So it's very dependent on knowing the levels and having a lot of uh, screen watching skill. But really, yeah. what, uh, what N64 game is not dependent on that? Exactly, exactly. I mean, there. I think there was enough here that I really like because I agree with you I really like the side details and that's why I was getting frustrated that so much of them were just being lost in this very thick N64 fog you know like mm-hmm. and I, I wanted kind of more of that so I think I want to track this down this is on GOG right now I believe uh, and I think I want to track this down and like play the original PC version and just kind of see how it compares yeah. because uh, I, I think yeah I agree I think the fundamentals here are fun I just think this is a bad port of a good game I mean, it's weird. That's sort of something that I feel like you realize more in retrospect, because I think if I had had this game for Nintendo 64, I think it stands up well to a lot of the Nintendo 64 racing library. Hmm. Um, But I agree. Yeah, certainly now I'd be like, hmm, I wonder how the Dreamcast version plays, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it might like fare better on other platforms. I don't know. Um, Do we have anything else to say about Revolt before we move on? No, we can move on. All right, let's charge forward into the future, I think, or maybe a sure. alternate present. No, it's got to be the future, yeah. It must be. Uh, so we're playing Armorines Project Swarm, and Swarm is Which an acronym. Which is of Armor and Marines, I'm assuming? That is or, correct. Maybe That's it's a correct. portmanteau of Armoire and uh, Marnie. Marnie You know armoire. what? That's it. A, a shiny buffalo nickel to you for that. That You did it. Oh, wonderful. I will <laughs> figure out what the hell that is. This was released December 9th, 1999, developed by Acclaim Studios London, published by Acclaim. Again, same studio, intentional. Did it all, did it that way intentionally yeah, the whole entire time. It's all plan. I'm playing three-dimensional yeah, chess we, here, people. Yep. You're a regular cue. <laughs> three-dimensional chess, by the way, is just regular chess, so <laughs> don't get too impressed, oh, everybody. good point. Sure. Uh, also released on the PlayStation and on Game Boy Color. Uh, all right, so our Marines, 
like like a recent game, Shadow Man is based on a Valiant comic strip from the early '90s. Uh, the Armorine spun off of Valiant's hit character Exo Manowar, who first appeared in issue sure. number two, and they first appeared in uh, issue number twenty-four in early nineteen ninety-four. I love it when things have hit characters that nobody has the slightest idea who they are at this point. You're like, check you know, out our hit character Manowar, and everyone's like, "What the hell are you talking about? I've never heard of this." It's like uh, it's it's a hit character. Like if you're super into comics and if you're bored of DC and Marvel, like it's sure. a very it's it's a hit character for a very niche group. But you know, hey, he teamed up with Iron Man back when no one gave a shit what Iron Man was. Uh, <laughs> so the the Armorines, like their name suggests, is a band of heavily armored Marines who were formed by the U.S. government to combat the perceived threat posed by Exo Man of War, who, as we all know, because he's a hit character. He is a man who uh, found an alien set of armor that gives him superpowers. Uh, so okay, uh, sure. this is the team is led by uh, war hero Gunny Lewis, uh, and there's an eight man team. <laughs> <laughs> there's an eight man team that came to recognize that Man of War was an ally, and they would go on to support the hero during some of his later adventures. Um, the team is equipped with high tech exoskeleton armor like Man of War, which makes them super strong, fast, and agile. Um, I, I have to say this is maybe the most obscure comic book character to get a video game adaptation maybe ever. Um, yeah, yeah. The Armorines, they, they got their own standalone series. What about Scud, the disposable assassin? See, I feel like more people would know Scud because at least the creator of yeah. Scud went on to work on like Community and like he directed the Lego movie. Like uh, Rob Schraub like went on to become like a guy. I don't know if anybody sure. involved with the Armorines became a guy. Um the 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 Armorines comic did get it did get a standalone comic series that only lasted twelve issues with Valiant and then another four after the company was acquired by Acclaim. Uh, when Valiant rebooted their characters in 2012, the Armorines were not invited to the party, but they did make one appearance in a single issue of the rebooted Exo Man of War. Now I attempted to go the extra mile for this episode. Uh, I found a very cheap package of the original Armorines comic on Comicsology. And so I bought the entire series and I was going to sit down and read the entire thing. And I was going to be the most well-versed <laughs> on the Armorines as anybody. I tapped out after three issues because this is just an exceptionally boring comic book. It is, it is one of the duller comics I've ever read in my life. It is just wow. bad, bad art, uh, really like boring, nameless characters like that all look identical. Well, uh, I mean, what did you say the main character's name was Gunny? Yeah, like, gun, gun, short for Gunnery Sergeant gunny Tony Lewis. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Gunny, oh, Gunny okay. do shoot good. Tony Lewis. Yeah, gun, yeah Gunny Tony do Lewis good is shoot. Terrible. And well, they've got and a cook named Cookie like, who cook good. Yeah, it's a whole thing. We, the the last game we played, uh, you know, the other Valiant comic game, uh, Shadow Man, that really felt like it came from like a love of the lore and comic book, like. It really felt like, oh, we know this backstory. We're going to integrate it into the game. Whereas here, yeah. this there's no reason for this to be based on anything. Like, no. it, it, uh, I guess it's like the super bland, generic comic book would obviously evolve into, like, even if the comic book were great, none of that comes through in the game. Like, it's no. so, all the characters are so lifeless and no one has any kind of personality. There's no voice acting. There's no cutscene. Um, and even the guns are just amazingly boring looking. I mean, I I didn't get I didn't get far enough in the comic book series to see if they even fight bugs at any point. It it didn't sure. happen in the few issues that I read. 
So I feel like this is kind of a loose adaptation, but the two main characters here, which is Tony Lewis and Myra Lane, they are in the comics. So I guess there's that. I mean, to their credit, I think Acclaim was kind of ahead of the curve of like bland, nameless space shooters, you know, like I feel like there was an era like right. It's a bad, it's a bad curve. It's a bad curve, but I think especially right after Halo came out, like every other first person shooter just cast you as like nameless helmeted military guy, you know, and this is kind of that, I guess. Um, That's fair. One of the the very few, or just a very few positive things I have to say about this game. And then we'll get into the plot a little bit, but like, I yeah. did appreciate, like, on the first level where you're running around, you will see some of your allies kind of running around fighting bugs as well. And, like, yeah. it just, like, that was a small thing, but I'm like, wow, it actually is kind of like I'm part of this larger story. That, you know, that gets dropped pretty fast, but that was It gets dropped I- almost immediately. It was something like yeah. the first the first moments, and then everybody disappears. Um, yep. So here's the plot as taken from the manual. Uh For centuries, the human race has gazed in wonder at the brilliant clusters of white light that dominate the night skies. One unanswered question has constantly plagued our ever-inquisitive minds. Are we alone in the universe? If not, would our interstellar neighbors be wise, peaceful, and benevolent, or would they be savage, hostile, and predatory? Would they bring wisdom and hope to our world, or would they bring destruction and death? These profound questions remained unanswered as the human race entered the third millennium of history. Our past has been tainted with war. They're spinning their wheels here. They it's, are really building this up. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm gonna skip the rest of this. Basically, you're a guy that shoots bugs. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah, we can we can be. we can drop the fucking grandiosity, Carl Sagan. Like it's <laughs> you, you, you point a gun at a bug and you pull the trigger and they die. That's what's happening yeah. in this game. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. So you are playing as one of two characters, either uh, Tony Lewis or Myra Lane. Uh, each character has their own unique weapons that you can choose from. You have one weapon that uh, never runs out of ammo. You have one like mm-hmm. uh, uh, like rocket launcher or grenade launcher that does run out of ammo. Everyone gets a, a brief melee weapon, a melee weapon that you can encounter sometimes. And then there are unique weapons that you can find that are uh, individual to each stage. So like you go to the volcano okay. level and there's a volcano gun, you know. Um, and, and so, I mean, the characters themselves do have like their starting weapons are different. Like the dude yeah. Tony or whatever, his gun has less ammo but deals more damage, and then the girl is more rapid fire but is weaker. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, she gets like a little trident, like an electrical trident that she can punch people with. So, you know, she's the I mean, slightly the better aesthetic, way to go. Sure, the whole aesthetic of this game is basically uh, starship troopers without irony. Yes. Like, yeah. In like. Starship Troopers, not a movie that I'm crazy about because I don't feel like it pushes the irony quite far enough. Um, yeah. And I am left kind of bored. But, like, if there was none of that aspect at all, it would basically be this game of just, like, the blandest dudes in space. I mean, you're on Earth here, I guess. You're but, on um, Earth, yeah. And, like, because the bugs really do have that Starship Trooper vibe to them. Um, yeah. They're big and tall the- and have a bunch of legs. They shriek and they explode when you shoot them. Like, so the game kind of drops you in the beginning into there are four worlds in this. You go to either Siberia, South America, the South Pacific, or Egypt, Uh, and then it's kind of a mission-based structure where you're kind of told like, all right, you need to open this door and then move on to this track and blah blah blah. Um, So this uses the Turok Two engine, and I have to say it is a it is a dramatic deviation. We have played a lot of Turok on this show. 
I can say yeah. confidently that uh, this is way worse than Turok than than any oh, yeah, of the Turoks. Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, like, agreed, one hundred percent. It's kind of amazing they could be built using the same exact parts, but it still feels significantly worse. Like yep. your 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 aiming feels sluggish. Like turning yep. around is like this whole ordeal. Like a bug will probably chew you to death before you can turn around and shoot them. <laughs> and then like they're usually so close to you, they're sometimes clipping through you, and you can't even see yep. them. Uh, well, I, that's that's the extent with something I want to talk about real quick is like yeah. that's really just a fundamental mistake like there's a lot of N64 games where you shoot bugs like as another random aside like yeah. this Jet Force Gemini Body Harvest um, but one thing that like Jet Force Gemini does that's smart is the bugs have guns the bugs and have guns so they become so, so much more interesting to shoot against like if the only thing that your enemy does is kind of advance towards you and then yeah. jump on you eventually. Your only strategy is kind of just back up and shoot and sort of strafe around them. There's no feeling of taking cover or having sort of a battle of wits or aim or anything like that. You just are kind of constantly running backwards. And most of the bugs kind of respond to damage in the same exact way, regardless of if they're a tiny mite or like a giant truck-sized beetle. Like, they respond to damage about the same. Like, you, it takes two or three shots with your standard gun to make them explode. I did find one monster that kind of popped up out of the ground that was, like, tougher. You know, he he took a lot more shots. But again, like you said, there is no cover from that because I tried getting in his blind spot, and he just kind of, like, his 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 projectiles started chasing me. Like, they just started kind of going around in impossible angles around the corner to just hit me, you know? So there is no cover of the mechanic. And if you run out of weapons, or if you run out of ammo in one gun it's really frustrating to try and change guns over. So it's best to just kind of leave it yeah. on your infinite ammo gun and then just kind of reload, you know? Like, so using the grenade launcher might do more damage, but it's also incredibly slow and it's hard to switch back weapons on the fly. Um, yeah, I honestly never really figured out how the weapon weapons system worked. Like, I, got the, I figured out that you hold A to kind of bring up the wheel, but there's no actual wheel. You just right. kind of press a button and hope, press a direction and hope you got the gun you wanted. That's kind of it. Yeah, that's right. that's all I figured. But like because the little icons of the gun all just look like a random assemblage of pipes. Like yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell which gun you use. It's like okay, wait, is this the good one or is this the crappy one that's going to slow me down? Or like I don't know. Yeah. So it's best to just not mess with the guns at all, which is such a boring element of a first-person shooter. Like. Yeah, the best part so of a first-person shooter this, is the variety of wacky guns, yeah. It, it's very weird that this game is by acclaim, the same people who made Turok, because in so many ways, it feels like a cheapo knockoff of Turok by people who didn't know what they were doing. Like, people yeah. who had played Turok and were like, oh, we can do that, sure. And so they just copy the control scheme, they copy kind of the weird sort of futuristic, pointy laser style of guns... And um, sort of the goopy enemies, but then like none of the polish is there, and it's just so unsatisfying to play. It feels very tossed off. I was just looking at the release dates, and like this came in between Turok two and three, but like a month after Rage Wars, which is a very polished, fun game. And, and like, yeah, we just played. Yeah. Uh, my my roommate had a uh, nostalgia for Rage Wars, so we were playing that a little bit, and it is amazing. I mean, Rage Wars is a, is a good game, my opinion for yeah. it has only grown, but um, 
that game looks so much better than this game. And that's, this is an awful, awful looking game. Like this may be the browniest brown of brown I have ever seen. Oh my seen. God. Like, uh, well, it, it drops you in Siberia to begin with. And it's like, I yeah, think so, they're using, they're using the fact that you're in a snowy landscape to, to kind of make, make it like, make that fog make sense. But this is some of the worst sure. fog you will see. This is so much worse than anything you saw in Superman or Turok. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, and I think they're trying to pass it up. But compare, like, the snow levels in this and Goldeneye. You know, Goldeneye, it's clear that you're in snow, but you can see into the distance. Like, the fog that's there is intentional. And then... How long did you spend wandering around the first level trying to find that scientist to open the hangar? Oh, God, so long. The there's like yeah the very first level they're like okay find this scientist to uh, open the blast doors but they give you no more info than that there's no map aside from a useless radar and basically to find this guy you just have to turn left on this there's this random ramp that just goes totally out of nowhere that you have to turn left to go find him at and it's just like this is not how you want to start your game our marines maybe you no. get better as you go on but I am not engaged in the least. No. And the other thing is like when it's not like blindingly white outside, it's impossibly dark on the inside. Any building that you go into is so poorly lit that I found I was just uh, shooting into nothing just so I could see, which is not a good thing. That's not something you want to do, especially when the entire game at this point revolves walking into buildings and looking for a button. Like, and it's got that annoying N64 thing of like, you just have to bump into the button. You just have to walk into it and like, push it with your gun barrel you know you don't have to press a button uh yeah so you're the right the, once you finally get out of this big snow field they're like okay you've unlocked this monorail transportation which sort of gives you this cool uh rocket launcher on this you know mounted turret but then you immediately drive down into a cave and yes. you're like oh great <laughs> this is what i want <laughs> I, I enjoyed all the white darkness up there now we're going to go into brown darkness underground yeah, I was on board. Like when I saw it, it's like, oh, okay, there's going to be an on rail section. Like I like on rail shooters. We haven't really encountered a good one on the system yet. So I'm like, all right, I'm down. Like the this first person part is fine, but like as long as I don't have to be moving and shooting, like if we can keep me on a static rail, like that's great. Um, it looks good. Uh, but then it's just so boring. Like immediately it's like, okay, oh, there's one big bug. There's another big bug. Here's five minutes of no movement. Like just uh, there's nothing. And then like, oh, okay, here's three bugs. And then, oh, uh, shit's just going to fall off the ceiling and crush them. You don't need to worry about that. Like, if you don't hit a bug, they will forget about you. They will move on with their lives. Like, they're not interested <laughs> yeah. in attacking you. There was, uh, like, the third level you get into is sort of this missile silo. And I thought it was, was funny because it, um, basically, it's much better lit. The walls are white, but it kind of has an office building feel. Yeah. And I really liked the ideas. At some point, like, quote, the bugs have launched the missiles. But again, these do not look like bugs that have any ability to process how, like, a computer system might work. They right. do not look like bugs concerned with, like, programming missiles. So I just enjoyed walking around these offices and sort of opening a door and then a bunch of bugs come out. Like, they're all here, like, working in their little cubicles. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Casual yeah, Fridays, just, am I right? Yeah, exactly. They just have no personality like it does it does make me long for sort of the ants of jet force gemini which like as sort of bizarre like basically like fascist uh space warlords they did exhibit some elements of personality 
Yeah, they were humanoid. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's just nothing here. Like, these don't even necessarily read as insects. They're just kind of blobs with legs that screech. And they're not interesting. It's not, it's not a, like, and you don't really get a good sense of the scope. And like I said, like, there's an acronym right there in the title, Project Swarm. I went through the whole manual. I went through every little bit of lore I could find on this game. I cannot find what Swarm stands for. So, like, it just feels like a very tossed-off thing. Like, yeah, okay, does this actually stand for anything? No, no, we just figured, you know, Swarm of Bugs. This sounded cool. You know, like, there's 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 that level of kind of tossed-off thought to it. Um. So the the one thing I was bummed about, like uh, that we couldn't play in person, is that there is a co op mode in this. And then I played um, the I game, played, and I'm I like, I played this as well. Uh, yeah, I was, then I played the game, and I'm just like, oh, okay, I feel better about missing the co op. Like it can't, it sure. can't be good. I mean, I will say the co op. I mean, I the co op is good, like in the sense that the co op mechanics work well. Like yeah. there's not you you're not losing frame rate or anything. One thing you do lose in all the multiplayer modes is it does not show your gun anymore. You just become the crosshair. Oh, which God. you talk about, you you think of how hard it was to figure out what gun you were using with the gun showing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine just the crosshair changing. Oh, um, God. Yeah, so, like, the mechanics do work pretty well. There's no loss. Yeah, there's no big loss in frame rate. But, like, the fact is you and your friend are still playing Armorines. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> there's, there's something. that's there's, just a, yeah. real, that's a real tough sell on someone. Be like, well... We've played through 300 co-op first-person shooters. I guess we're on to Armorines. Yeah, like, yeah. We've played very last through all list. of the Halos 20 times. <laughs> so, on to Armorines. Yeah. I mean, I was excited I know... just because there aren't many co-op games on the system. But, yeah, like, yeah. but after moments of playing this, I'm just like, all right, this is just going to be, like, shitty with a smaller screen, you know? like, Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, it, it's... I don't know that this would enhance my enjoyment of this. And I will say we also played the multiplayer. Speaking of shitty with a smaller screen, it is a it is a you know they have all your regular modes, um, deathmatch, and uh, there's very weirdly a mode in there called race war. I was um, gonna say like wow, they really didn't think that name through. Yeah, um, where you can play as the bugs, but then in another incredibly stupid thing, the bugs are all exactly the same as the humans. What? Like, they still, yeah, they still appear as bugs in the, uh, like, if you encounter someone and looking at them from your screen, it's still a bug, but they just have guns that you switch between. They're indistinguishable in terms of gameplay, which is terrible. Like, again, what is so the many, point of that? We, we, yeah, we played Turok Rage Wars right after this a little bit. Um, and it's like that game has different characters that actually control differently. Like, if you play as a raptor, you run around and scratch people. Yeah, like that why would a raptor has, use that, a gun? Yeah, and that game has a two-player co-op that is actually functional. And, like, I guess what I'm saying is it's crazy that this game came after Rage Wars by the same company. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, I, maybe their resources were just all going to put it towards Turok 3, which was, like, uh, quite a polished, fun game. And yeah. uh, uh, But they th- this feels so tossed off and, like... It, it's a bummer because, like, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I like Valiant Comics. I would have liked to have seen uh, more come out of this partnership. And Shadow Man was a solid game. And then this is just, like, yeah. nothing. This this is just, like, this game barely exists. 
Um, but I don't know, like, I don't know, based on your description of the comic books, I don't know if you can make a very interesting version of this game. Like, you could probably, oh, no. you could certainly make a much better, much more polished one. But the actual aesthetics here of sort of armored marines fighting armored bugs is just going to be bland. I mean, you can do like a like a squad based combat, like uh, the what was it, Star Wars Republic Commando? Like there there are games, yeah. There are games where this kind of idea of being like just a squadron of soldiers works, but uh, this is not that game. This is not. This is a very it's, bad first person right. shooter uh, that I did not like. Uh, yes, do we have anything agreed. else to say about um, our Marines? <laughs> no, we've talked think, about it more than enough. I think we have. Uh, I think we've gotten to it there. All right, let's move on to our rankings. We are getting down to the very end of our list. Oh my God, we're almost out of Nintendo 64 games before we move on to the Wii U. Um, I will start us off here. Uh, I did like Revolt much more than Armorines. Uh, it didn't It didn't blow me away, uh, but I did put it uh, kind of with some medium racing games. So it's below Scars and it's above Top Gear Overdrive, um, which might have been a little too harsh on it. I just felt like it was really held back by the technology. I feel like I feel like if I'm judging the game as a game, I think it's better than this. But as a port, as an N64 game, I think this is about right. And Armorine's Project Swarm is landing quite a bit lower for me. I'm putting that at number 252, and that's right underneath Starshot, Space Circus Fever, and right above WCW Mayhem. Uh, yeah, I think I think when I had to like really think about it, if I would rather play this game or you know uh, Rugrats Scavenger Hunt again, like. Yeah, pr- probably this one, but you know, and there there was some other games that kind of fell along that line where I had to make some tough choices about that. But like, yeah, uh, uh, it's 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 not good. It's a very bad game. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, I'm I I liked uh, Revolt more than you. I didn't quite have the tech issues that you did. Um, and maybe I am being too nice to it because I just. The, the, we've been so many games like Micro Machines or um, even shitty ones like Penny Racers where I'm like, I just really want this to look small and match the aesthetic, and I was really glad when Revolt did. Yeah. So I'm putting that at um, number 94, which is right behind Mace the Dark Age. Mace the Dark Age. Um, Mace the Dark Age. And, uh, yeah, Armorines was, was very bad. The more we talk about it, the more bad it seems. Um, <laughs> I, even, like... Um, I mean, it's certainly not. I don't think it's worse than Daikatana. No, but like that game. I I don't like. That, at least the single player mode in that felt like you were going on some kind of adventure, and like there seemed to be like a purpose to what you were doing. Whereas well, Di- this was just kind of. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, Daikatana was bad in an interesting way. At least like this is not. This is bad in like a bland way. Yeah. Um. I'm. You know what? Actually, what the hell? I'm gonna put it right above Daikatana. Okay. Wait, wherever, wherever that is in the list. Um, Quite low. Which is, that's number two six two sixty three. Um, yeah, that's which is behind Hey You Pikachu. Oof. Um, because it, it it like it is functionally better than most of those games around that area. But I don't know if I've ever been less interested in the aesthetic of a game. Than in, in this particular so boring, game. so boring. I found myself craving like a sports game or something. You know, it's just like this. This shouldn't yeah, be because it, it shouldn't be this boring. Yeah, you wanted like commentary, like you just wanted John Madden's voice or something to just give it some injection of life, some indication that somebody cared. Like, yeah, there's none of that. There's none of that. 
All right. Well, we have several letters this week. Uh, always love getting letters. You can send them to uh, ultra64pod at gmail.com. This first one starts. Stephen Woody. That, those are our names. Hello. Uh, I love the Whoa, ma- what a coincidence. <laughs> Crazy, right? Uh, I loved the Majora's Mask episode and think you all had a fair take on a game that commonly gets lionized by Zelda devotees without acknowledging its many flaws. In particular, sure. you guys made a very good point to the effect of how Majora's Mask is a very fun game to look at, to talk about, to read about, and to theorize about because of its great ideas and themes. Unfortunately, it's just a pain in the ass to play. Putting aside sure. the anxiety-inducing timer, there's just a bunch of tedious bullshit you have to put up with. Instructions on where to go and what to do are vague, and a lot of the time is spent outside the dungeons completing unfun fetch quests until you do get to the dungeons, which are also just kind of suck. You know it's bad when the first and most basic temple is the least painful of the bunch. The Great Bay Temple is where fun goes to die. And yet this (laughs) game is still so worth checking out, purely because of how interesting and dark it is. I actually just fired up my own cartridge of the game, and while I know I'm going to have to slog through it for a bit, I'm very excited to get to the Iconic Canyon section. It is so weird and creepy, and there's nothing quite like it in a Zelda game, even to this day. Eat your heart out, Edgelord Twilight Princess. On another note, <laughs> I do love the random bits of political commentary added to the podcast during these unprecedented times. This election has been emotionally exhausting for us all, and sometime, and somehow it's still going if this past weekend here in D.C. was any indication. But I do think we can all start living, to breathe living again. Living in D.C. sounds like a nightmare. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I am not envious of that. Uh, and honestly, listening to y'all chat about old video games is a great respite from the nonstop news cycle and stresses of 2020. Very excited for the future of the podcast. You guys rock. And that is from Dan in D.C. So thank you, Dan. I think those are some very good thank points you, about Zelda. Like, it's yeah, nice they... to hear that somebody actually doesn't mind us very occasionally bringing up political things, which yes, we do ve- not do very, that often. So very occasionally acknowledging we live in a society. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah so thank you, Dan. Uh, we have another Majora's question here, or uh, letter, actually. Uh, dear Steve, Woody, and guests, uh, I'm glad that your episode on Majora's the, the guest Mask... guest is the distance between us, Steve. Sorry, it's very... <laughs> the guest is the distance between us. It's hard not to interrupt you... We don't have the interrupt timing down doing it virtually. The, the, the guest is the lag. Yes, the, our old yeah, friend exactly. the lag is back for a little bit. Uh, so I'm glad that your episode of Majora's Mask is as divisive and contested as that game deserves. It's not only my favorite mm-hmm. Zelda, but my favorite game of all time flat out because of how it nice. subverts Ocarina of Time's Zelda formula, focuses more on side narratives, and has one of the most dour, insidious atmospheres in gaming. Like your guest mentioned, I hope and pray that the sequel to Breath of the Wild takes a similarly weird and innovative route as the Switch's swan song. Despite being my favorite game, after attempts on both the original N64 version as well as the 3DS remake, I still haven't actually beaten Majora's Mask. I've completed all the... (laughs) That's kind of crazy, yeah. I've completed all the dungeons, I just haven't braved the final area and final boss. So my question to the pod is, what is your favorite game or games that you've played but have never beaten? This is, of course, for games that can be beaten. No MMOs or games like Animal Crossing that don't have an end state. Loving the show after all these years. Excited for the next season since the Wii U is the only Nintendo console I've never owned. Keep on keeping on. And that is Danny from Philly. That's an interesting idea to me that, like, that's your favorite game, but you've never beaten it. I don't know. Like, I think maybe my completionist brain wouldn't let me put those two Venn diagrams in the same like that I don't I don't think there would be much overlap for me like I, I don't know if I'd be able to say this is my favorite game I've never beaten it I don't know what do you think about that sure um boy it, it's also it seems like it would be a game that like 
I made an attempt to beat and like I'm still planning to beat. I don't know if I could ever like give up on something and then still count it amongst my favorite games. Um Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer off the off the top of my head. Um so I, 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 I do want to revisit this one if I think of one next week. I kind well, I did have an answer, but then like I was motivated by this letter to to play it again and I actually finally finished it this week. It's the game Grim Fandango. Uh, oh, sure. Which is a game I love absolutely everything about except the gameplay. Like, it is... Yeah, that game is not very good. Like, that's no, like, that's my hot take, is that game is not very fun to play. It, like, it's, it's really obnoxious to play. I, I kept a guide open the entire time, and even then, like, I still had to watch, like, uh, videos explaining, like, to, to show me what they're talking about because some of these puzzles are so obtuse. But that game has some of the most inventive storytelling it has some of the best writing you'll see in any video game it's funny and it's heartfelt and it's creative and it, it was very very satisfying to see through to the end so i still don't know if i'd put it as one of my favorites but it was one that i kind of held up for a long time uh, as like one of these great games and i just was never able to get very far um but i but i muscled through and now uh, and then i also did day of the tentacle this week and i'm now doing full throttle so i'm on a lucas arts kick well day of the tentacle is awesome uh, day of the <laughs> tentacle is very good because the puzzles in that are much better i mean um, they're, they're better they're more frustrating because it's lots of like swapping through time and like oh i yeah, found this one I in feel the future like much more intuitive yeah like, definitely more intuitive. a lot cleaner it runs a lot cleaner in a 2d interface than in a 3d one like grim fandango is a very nice looking game but like the inner the the way it plays is not conducive to good puzzles. No, um, actually, I agree. in that same note, one thing I can think of as an answer to this question is the game King's Quest Five. Oh yeah, which I just I remember playing because it was on our very early Mac computer. My brother had it, and I was so blown away by the graphics and like wandering around and like how cool all of this environment looked. Um, but I think I've only gotten about three screens into that game, like overall. Yeah. Um, but like just looking at screenshots from that game makes me happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've still, I've yeah. still never fully played through a King's Quest game. I've already kind of like I've sampled like most of them, but I've never played through one completely. Maybe that'll be my next quest. My King's Quest, <laughs> if you will. My King's Quest yes, quest. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you, Danny. That's a good question. We'll we'll follow up on that if we think of any more. Um, yeah, because I feel like there are lots of games I really like and just never fit. Like Demon Souls would fit in that category. Like I really like it. I've never mm -hmm. finished it. Um, all right. This next letter says, "Dear Steve Woody, and insert guest name here." Uh, again, the lag. Uh, in your Majora's <laughs> Mask episode, you asked to hear from anyone who had played Majora's Mask ahead of Ocarina of Time. I am one yeah. such person. In fact, I've nice. still never played Ocarina of Time, but Majora's Mask remains <laughs> one of my favorite games ever due to its uniqueness. I had some familiarity with the key aspects of Ocarina of Time as I did have a Nintendo Power subscription, and the Ocarina of Time articles were always some of my favorite to read about. When I heard a new Zelda game was coming for Nintendo 64, I wished for it along with the game guide for my birthday. My 10th birthday, excuse me. I was blown away by the time travel mechanics and how creepy the whole setting was. I've never found a gaming experience similar to it. It wasn't until several years later that I learned most of the townspeople and enemy models were straight-up clones from Ocarina of Time. Not sure if having the, that knowledge beforehand would have helped or hurt my enjoyment. Um, one aspect of the game y'all didn't touch on was the reward for collecting all of the masks, which might be the best 100% completion award in all of gaming, in my opinion. The Fierce Deity Mask, a mask that basically turns Link into Super Saiyan. 
you get a real sense of accomplishment <laughs> from when you go to the moon to fight Majora, whip on the mask, and end the fight in seconds. The only downside yeah. was you could only use it in boss fights. I wish Nintendo had created a new save file where you could play the game as a fierce deity with harder dungeons and a gameplay and an endgame reward or something like that. Anyways, thanks for all the entertaining podcasts throughout the years. I first started listening to you guys at the Turok episode and thought, hey, this will be fun to listen to until they inevitably give up after 30 episodes. But you had the, stam <laughs> but you had the stamina and perseverance to keep it rolling with consistent high-quality episodes every week. Thanks again, and best of luck with your Wii U series. And that's from Aaron in Indiana. Thank you, Aaron. That's a great Thanks, letter. Aaron. That's that's a great reminder about, yeah, I think that was a question that came up a while ago, was what is the best 100% reward in a game? And I think that Aaron's point is pretty valid, because I think I did fight through and get that mask, and it is awesome. I <laughs> is did really not cool. know this existed. This is kind of a... Uh, motivating me to maybe break out my my 3ds version and try this again because i mean i love the kaiju mask that made link turn gigantic and fight a giant worm like i want more of that i want more well, of that weird shit yeah i will say aaron it's very odd to me that you've not played ocarina of time being as you say that this game is one of your favorites like you you know ocarina of time's pretty good too like you oh, might want to check it out if you I like mean, this one <laughs> look yeah o ocarina of time like it, it it's it's the Beyond Thunderdome to uh, Majora's Mask's Fury Road. How about that? Like, or maybe no, maybe sure. that's maybe that's not <laughs> no. quite right. I don't think that's quite right. I think I think that Majora's Mask is the Beyond Thunderdome to uh, Ocarina of Time's Road Warrior. Or yeah. or you know what? Here's here's what's better. Ocarina of Time is Gremlins. Majora's Mask is Gremlins too. No wait, I got it. Okay. Ocarina of Time is the the Beaver to Majora's <laughs> Mask. What women want. <laughs> we're doing Mel Gibson movies, right? Yes, Ocarina yes, we Time are. of Time is the Passion of the Christ to Majora's Mask dragged across concrete. <laughs> well, right. the, which one is Lethal Weapon 4? I can't even yeah, decide okay. anymore. <laughs> um, and I, uh, well, crap, I had an actual uh, real point that I was going to make. Oh, yeah. Um, it also, I like the idea saying that Majora's Mask was like nothing you, he'd seen before when, like, the art assets are just reused from Ocarina of Time. It reminds me of um, the Hobbit. I was checking in the Hobbit at the library, the, uh, you know, An Unexpected Journey or whatever, the DVD. And yeah. on the back of the DVD, the pull quote for the movie The Hobbit is, like nothing you've ever seen before, which it's... may be the least accurate pull quote I have ever seen. I mean, it, if if you're seeing it in theaters, because remember they did that weird shit with like the frame rate. They did like 80 frames per second yeah, on that no, movie. Yeah, but no, this is like, the DVD copy. I mean, yeah, but if someone, if the critic was reviewing the theatrical version, I guess. Sure, like, but I'm just saying, but if yeah, you're picking yeah. a movie to be like nothing you've ever seen before, probably don't pick the same movie that's based on like basically all this art assets and yes. style from the same director who already made three huge movies that look like that. No, that's that's exact. That's totally fair. That's very fair. I recently finally watched all three of those movies, and they're fine. That's it. That's yeah. all I got. There, you, na you nailed it. I I think the world can all agree on that assessment. The Hobbit movies are fine. Um, yeah, they maybe don't need to be nine hours long. Uh, one last letter here. Hey, Woody. Hello, Woody, and the other host that is reading this email. Well, fuck you too. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm a fan of this person. <laughs> your show is fantastic. I'm excited to see that your next adventure is going to be the Wii U. It is truly the best failure that Nintendo has ever conceived. I own two of these wow. Paleo Switches and about 40 games. Uh, I, I gave you guys a listen and ended up subscribing and tearing through your back catalog. 
Don't get me wrong, I still hate the N64, but your banter makes it a great podcast. Looking forward to the sequel, and that's from Jeffrey. Wait, wait. Did Jeffrey just, like, poop on the N64 and praise the Wii U? Uh, well, kind of pooped on both, I guess, and me a little okay, bit. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, okay, good. So he, you say he's an equal opportunity pooper. He just, he just poops. EOP. <laughs> yeah, EOP. Yeah. Are you down with EOP? Yeah, you know me. Um, anyway, that's really, thank you, Jeffrey. Sorry we're making fun of your letters so much. Um, we do appreciate everybody writing in. We always love to get letters from folks, so feel free to send those in if you're getting bored during this third or fourth lockdown. I've lost track. Yeah. Um, if you want me to make fun of your letter and not be adequately grateful for you writing in, because in all <laughs> honesty, the letters are the high point. I mean, basically, oh, yeah. think about this. If you write a letter, we can either talk about your letter or we can talk about our Marines. So oh yeah, like, exactly. Do you do you really care about our Marines? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we are going to sign out for the evening. Be sure to tune in next week. Uh, next week will be fun because we are talking about the very last RPG on the system. That's right. We are playing Aiden Chronicles: colon, The First Mage, a game I know nothing Ooh. about, other than I think it stars Aiden Quinn. Uh, so should be good. <laughs> sure. Should be good. No, it stars Aiden Chronicle. Oh, Aiden Chronicle. That's that's Aiden Quinn's brother with a weird different name because yeah. he comes from a family where they do the last name first. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, check out Aiden Chronicles next week. In the meantime, I'm going to summon in the Armarines, and oh no, it's a it's a shit law. I don't care. I just don't care. <laughs>